Hey, glad you came to church today. Hey, Amen. So good to be with you. So good to see you. It's a great crowd. I like it when you guys come to church, I must say. Uh, it's great to see you all this morning. Well, we're going to continue on in a little series that we've been in here recently entitled The Good Life. And this is a series about what Jesus talked about when he said that uh, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many are you good for a more abundant kind of life? And so we've been talking about this and what this implies, what this means for us. And, uh, and God wants us to have a good life. And one of the things that, that I noticed when I was preparing for this series, I was looking up all the places in the Bible that talked about good, things that were good. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the things that I noticed, especially in the New Testament, is the overwhelming number of times the Bible refers to being a good person and doing good things and displaying good works. And so today, I want to talk about this idea because, you know, the good life isn't just about how it benefits me personally, and how many are glad that it benefits you and me personally to have that abundant life in my life for me personally, but it's not just about how it benefits me, but how it is a blessing through me to a world around me. And so really the good life isn't just about what I can get out of it, but what God wants to give through me to a world that doesn't know the good life. They don't know the goodness of God like you and I know the goodness of God in a personal sense. And so I want to talk about this. And the way that I want to do this today is I want to talk about, I've entitled this message, The Goodness of Salt, or Salt is Good. And so that's the title of my message, and I want to read a couple of passages. And if you go ahead and bring that up, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and then Luke chapter 14. And I think the scriptures are going to come up on the screen for you. So to get started today in talking about this idea of doing good things and being good in our character and in our conduct. It's like being the salt of the earth. Those are familiar words to us. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Let's look at it together. In Matthew five thirteen, it says, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. So Jesus says right there that you are the salt of the earth. And he goes on in that same passage, and he says, you're the light of the world. And then he says, after that, being salt and being light, therefore, he says, kind of show your good works. People will see your good works and turn around and glorify God who is in heaven, Right? There's one other passage I want you to see. It's found in Luke chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, salt is good. Say that with me. Salt is good. Jesus says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Anybody here old enough to remember CB radios? 
Remember when you would talk on the CB radio and you were out there, you were trying to, you were throwing your handle out there like, hey, this is the rubber ducky or whatever. And mine was the rubber band man. I don't know why. Anyway. And then you were like, are you out there? Do you have your ears on? Remember that? You have your ears on. That's, that was a CB call. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you have your ears on? Are you paying attention to what I'm saying? I don't know why I told you all that. But anyway, let's pray. We're going to talk about being salt. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your presence here today. And I pray, Lord, that we would put our ears on today and that we would listen up to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Pray for your strength and your mercy and your grace to be upon me to share your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 All right. We're going to talk about influencing our world for Jesus. That's what the good life is to be an influence of the goodness of God in our world. And when I was studying a little bit about salt, sodium chloride, if you take either one of those elements by themselves, they'll kill you. Sodium by itself will kill you. Chloride by itself will kill you. Put together, and you have one of the most wonderful minerals on planet Earth. Isn't that that amazing? And uh, I was thinking about how salt is it's it's almost like the essence of life i read someone who said that that salt is so important to us as people that it 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 should be put on the list of the four basic elements of earth wind fire water salt you know it should it should make that list but salt is everywhere around us salt is in our body did you know that you have 0.4% salt in your body right now. That means that if you weigh 125 pounds, you have 45 teaspoons of salt in you. Or if you weigh 200 pounds, you have 75 teaspoons of salt in you. So that's where Randy's got 75 in him. So he's good. He's good to go. He said it himself. I didn't say it. It's not only in our bodies, but it's obviously on planet Earth. Everywhere you go, there are salt mines. Everywhere you go, it's everywhere. In fact, our oceans are made up of 3.5% uh, salt, an estimated, check this out, 50 million billion tons of salt in the ocean. And um, that means that if the oceans were to dry up, that that there would be enough salt left that you could make a wall 180 miles high, a mile thick that would go around the entire earth at its equator. That's how much salt is in the earth. And not only is it in our bodies and in the earth, but it's also in our vocabulary. We use things like a pinch of salt, you know, which means a little goes a long way, or boy, she's salty, you know. Meaning she's got an attitude, she's upset, or he could be salty too. It's not just a woman problem. Um, or it's uh, take it with a grain of salt. You know, we, we say that all the time, that idea. Like, you know, there, there may be a hint of truth, but don't take it too seriously. It's not that big of a deal. There's also uh, phrases like rubbing salt in my wounds, which means they're making an already horrible situation worse by rubbing it into me. Uh, Have you ever said or heard the phrase, they're not worth their salt? Did you know that actually the word salt, actually our word salary, 
comes from the word salt. And so in ancient times, people would be oftentimes paid with salt. And they would earn their wages. And so that idea they're not worth their salt, that's where that comes from. And so saying all of that, that's, none of that is what Jesus meant when he said you're the salt of the earth. None of that is what he meant. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Obviously, what he was talking about wasn't the makeup of our physical bodies or the actual salt content of the earth. He's, he's pointing out that just as readily available and influential and penetrative as salt is, as important and essential as it is to life, so are you to this world. You're the salt of the earth, he says to his followers and those who are walking with him and trusting in him. And when he says to them that salt is good, what he means is just as good, just as salt is good, what good is, good does. If you are been made in the image of God, you become the salt of the earth and salt is good in every way, not just in its essential makeup, but in what it does for us and what it does for the whole world. And so Jesus said, when people see your good works, when they encounter your good character and they encounter your conduct and how you treat them and how you walk among them and the kind of person you are on the face of the earth, they are going to see, they're going to experience the saltness of God. They're going to see what you do and turn around and bring glory to God. How many of you want God to get all of the glory in the earth today? So... If we want that, let me tell you, God wants that as well. And today I want to talk about being salty saints. Why don't you turn to somebody and tell them, you look salty to me. Go ahead and tell them that today. About 30 years ago, I read a book by Rebecca Manley Pippert entitled, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. And it was a great book, and it's a great thought. Because what happens to us as Christians is we kind of get stored away into our safety zones, into our Christian little world, into our churches, into our Christian lives. We get all secure and safe and snug. And we just, you know, and we think, yeah, I'm salt of the earth. But let me tell you something, salt is no good unless it's out there. Needs to get out of the shaker and into the world. And so I want to talk about this, and the way I want to do this is I want to talk about kind of the implications of what it means to be the salt of the earth. So I just have some simple ideas and thoughts that that are real basic, but hopefully that will help us to and re-energize us toward this this great call and privilege of living the good life, of being good salt. Amen. And so, first of all, as the salt of the earth, number one, we need to enhance the flavor of life. Salt adds flavor. It causes the flavor of food to come alive. Salt makes bland and monotonous food palatable. Even Job knew this. Job said in chapter 6, Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? 
Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are loathsome food to me. Unless there's salt on it, what's the point? Like the man who invented potato chips. He sold a few bags as a street vendor a long time ago. He sold a few bags to a few people here and there. But when he discovered the power of salt, he couldn't keep enough potatoes around. Right? I mean, what's the point of a potato chip without salt? And what's the point of a Christian without having that flavor that brings flavor to life? Because life is full of blandness and monotonous and people are trying to inject and trying to find things and inject things and do things that bring meaning and value and excitement to life, but it only leaves them more and more and more empty. And without hope. But you and I have the flavor of God in us. The Bible said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know how the world tastes and see that the Lord is good? Through you and me. That's how. They encounter the goodness of God, the flavor of God, the richness of God through people who really know him intimately walk with him daily, encounter him in their own personal lives, and live that out everywhere they go and with whomever they come in contact with. Hallelujah. Come on now. Are you salty out there? Praise God. We need Christians to bring the flavor and the zest of, to, to the lives that we li- live, uh, to, to the world that we live in around us. And one of the ways that we can do this best is by salting our communication with the world. How many of you know that Twitter doesn't get it done right? Come on, Facebook doesn't do it right. Come on. We have got to, we have to season up our communication with the world out there. You got to talk differently. Just the right amount of salt, and when you're baking the food, it, it can make or break that dish, right? Just that, just that pinch of salt, just that right amount. Too much, it bitters it up. If you have too little, it's bland. Just that right amount, and we need to, we need to really work on our communication skills in the Spirit of God. Paul taught us this. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let your words be words of grace. Salt your words. Make them gracious. Make it palatable. When you're talking to people out there, because there's a world of condemnation, there's a world of judgment, there's a world of getting beat down. People are beating themselves up, and we need to bring flavor, the flavor of God to their life. Amen? Amen. So our words must be, now listen to me, I'm not trying to be political, but our words must be words of tolerance and not judgment. You just watch Jesus. Watch how he walked into a room. Watch how he communicated with people who were on the other side of the tracks, so to speak. Listen to his words. He tells us to 
judge not lest you be judged yourself. And there isn't a, that doesn't mean that we don't call a lie a lie and call truth truth. But he's saying when you're talking to people, realize where they're at and where they're not at. They're not at the place you're at. And so we don't go in with guns blazing. Hallelujah. We go in with a heart on fire for them. Amen? And so we need to speak with tolerance and not judgment, thankfulness and not complaint. Everybody's complaining. We don't need to be complaining about things. We need to speak blessing and not cursing. Come on, can I get an amen? We need to speak words of kindness and not have words of bitterness just flowing out of our hearts and out of our lives. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so we need to add flavor with our words. With whomever we come in contact with, just speak the life of God into them. Speak life over them. Talk to them. I read somewhere where somebody said one time that if you pay close attention, Jesus talked to even sinners as if they had already come over to his side. I just think that's a pretty powerful thought. He was talking to them above what they were. Bring them up. Amen. Your words have life-giving power. You raise the dead everywhere you go. And plus, it just tastes better. Amen. Here's another thing. As the salt of the earth, we must also preserve our world from decay. In Jesus' time, salt was essential to preserving from rot. The people that Jesus, he was actually, I was in the area where he spoke the Sermon on the Mount. I was there in that region of Galilee, in that little, that kind of little cutout in the mountain there where just up from the Sea of Galilee, Jesus was teaching us. I stood in that area, around that area, and these people, these were, this was a fishing community. These people were fishermen, and they knew what it, they knew the importance of salt and the power of salt because they would catch fish, and in order for survival, they had to be able to retain that fish and to keep that fish. And the way that they would do that is they would rub salt into the fish and that they would pack it in salt to keep the fish from rotting and decaying so that they could survive, so that they could always have food, plenty of food to go around. And so they understood well what Jesus was saying. And so this is you and I. Jesus said when, when he said, you're the salt of the earth, He's saying, your very presence in the earth has preserving power. Just you showing up to work. Just you interacting with a hurting soul. Just you being there when nobody else is there. There, it's like salt rubbed into the meat. And it keeps the rot from setting in. It keeps things from falling apart and tasting bad and getting worse. Just your presence. Just the fact that you're there. Listen, church, can you imagine? I know the church isn't perfect, and I know that America isn't perfect, and I know that there's a lot of problems all around us, but imagine what it would be like if we weren't here. 
I mean, if we, were, if we really were not here. Listen, Jesus is the one who said this. I didn't say it. Your presence in the earth, your being there, your showing up, your being a part of things is what's keeping things from falling apart. Don't ever forget it. If you think it's bad now, think of if you were out of here. And that's what Paul was teaching in the book of 2 Thessalonians when he was talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. And the church at Thessalonica thought that Jesus, they had wondered if Jesus had already come. And so Paul was trying to teach them and say, no, there are certain things that are going to have to happen before Jesus comes back again. But he, he was teaching on the Antichrist and he said, do we have this, uh, if you bring 2 Thessalonians up, and I, I just want you to see this. Uh, I, I know it's a little bit confusing, but let me just show you this scripture. It says, for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. And it, what he's talking about there, he says, the work and the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. That's what he's saying. It's already at work in the world. But he says, now look at what he says, only he who now restrains, everybody say restrains. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now there are different people believe that that scripture means different things, but what matters is what I think. <laughs> and I believe that this scripture, when he says, he who restrains will restrain until he is taken out of the way, is a reference to the Holy Spirit in the church. That the lawless man, the antichrist, the, the antichrist can't come into power so long as the spirit of God is alive in the hearts of the church and the church is in the earth restraining. But when the church is out, when the people of God are out, when we're raptured out of here, then things are going to go into a tailspin very, very, very quickly. Come on, come on. You better be on board. Amen. Well, the reason why I bring that scripture out is because I want you to see the restraining power of God at work through your life. Don't think that just because you have an off day that you don't make a difference. Now you need to work on your mood and your attitude. Because you're salt. And you're holding things together. Amen. And so, we need to be the salt. And one of the ways that we have that preserving power, let me just say this really quickly. We preserve the world from rot and decay. And as bad as it looks, it'd be worse if you weren't there. But we can't be preserving, have preserving power if we won't persevere when it's tough. I see, a, I see a, a joining there that it's important that we persevere in faith, in trial, in difficulty, in love, in forgiveness, in prayer, in witness. We just got to keep persevering and persevering and persevering and not giving up. 
I love what Paul said. Let me just give this to you quickly. I'm taking way too long on point number two. But Paul said, he said, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. That's a mic drop right there. That's like, they threw me in chains, but you can't chain the word of God. Hallelujah. But look at what he says. He said, I'm suffering like I'm an evil person. They put me in chains, but you can't chain the word of God. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, for the people who aren't saved yet. I'm hanging in there. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning. I'm not going to quit the job. I'm not going to go hide away in a high mountain retreat somewhere. I'm the salt of the earth. And I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm living how I'm living. And I am who I am for those who haven't come there yet. Woo, come on now. Don't make me get Pentecostal up here. (laughs) Gary will be proud of me. Who needs a fire Bible when you got the fire? No, I'm joking. Here's another thing. I got to hurry on. I'm sorry. Let me hurry on. As the salt of the earth, we heal diseases and dysfunctional lives. Salt flavors, salt preserves but salt is also an antiseptic and it has healing properties to it and it's not it is topical but it actually can get into the salt baths can be good for the joints and the muscles and there's just kind of a permeating effect of salt remember in the old testament when elisha was coming through town they told the prophet they said we've got a water supply that is polluted and it's, and it's death. And he said, bring me a bowl of salt. And they brought him a bowl of salt, and he threw the salt on the water supply. And he said, you will, you will no more call, cause death or be polluted, but you will bring life. And the writer at the time said, to this day, this is the best water around. Hallelujah. And that's what, listen, you and I have that healing capability in us by the grace of God. We're like the salt of the earth. You come in contact with us and things happen. Kevin believes me. Anybody, any other takers? There's healing power in the salt of the earth. Not the literal, yes, that too, but I'm talking about what Jesus is talking about. There's healing power through your life. So everywhere we go, Jesus said, you shall lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I don't know about all the times they haven't recovered, but I'm just going to hold on to what Jesus said. You have healing power. You have healing truth because some of the, some of the dysfunction and some of the disease that's in people's hearts are not, not just have to do with physical things. It has to do with the lies that people believe. And so we bring truth. And you know, sometimes when you rub salt in a wound or you, you, you kind of use this uh, salt water to kind of rinse, it stings a little bit. Come on, how many of you know the truth? stings a little bit i don't think we should go around trying to sting people but when you bring truth into a bunch of lies it doesn't set well immediately 
But there's a healing thing that happens. It doesn't, it, you wouldn't know it because of what they're manifesting at that moment. But truth heals. Amen. One of my favorite verses about Jesus is uh, about Jesus is found in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about, look at it, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The doing good and the healing. You see that? That's the good we do. That's some of the good we do. We bring healing where there's disease, where there's dysfunction, where there's brokenness, where people are devastated by life. You and I can come into that situation, lay our hands on it, speak the word of God into it. Because you're the salt of the earth. Amen. Is this going okay with everybody? So let's throw a little salt on it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, pass the salt. Go ahead and tell him that. Pass the salt. It's time to pass it. Number four. Number four. You're the salt of the earth, and as the salt of the earth, we must create a thirst for more of Jesus. Salt flavors just the right amount, just just makes it all so good, right? It preserves, it keeps things from utterly decaying and rotting. It heals. There's healing properties in who you are by the grace of God. But it also makes you more thirsty. I mean, McDonald's, when they discovered Salty fries and Coca-Cola. Come on. When they, I mean, what, you can't have one without the other. Come on. It's not even biblical. It would be anti-Christ to do that. I mean, if you're going to do fries, you salt them up. Jackie tells me that she tells them, make her new fries and don't put salt on it. I don't know what planet she's from. No. She's not here to defend herself, but she will be. As the salt of the earth, we are to live in a way that we make Christ more attractive and more desirable. Come on now, let that sink in. In your, on your Twitter page, in your Facebook, in your conversations with people, as you relate to people around you, what are they feeling? What are they seeing? What are they experiencing? Come on. If, if they're not thirsty or hungry for more of Jesus, it could be that they're just ornery. Because there are some ornery people out there. But it could be that we're off-putting and we don't measure up to the true character and the nature of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so by our actions and by our relationship to people, we, we need to 
make the Lord look better. Now, he already is good. He's already wonderful. But we need to make him look better in a culture that doesn't see that. I love the book of Titus because in, there's just a really short book. But ten times in three short chapters, Paul talks and he tells Titus, tell the people in Crete to be good, to do good, to love good, good works, good works, good works. Be good to the police officers. He even mentioned, he said, people on Crete, their own prophets say they are liars, gluttons, and lazy people. That's what Paul wrote in that book. He says, your own people say this is what you're like. And if you're going to be a Christian, you need to act like one. Talk like one. Obey authority like one. Come on now. Amen. Here's what he said in Titus chapter 2, verse 10. He said, tell the people there in the church. He's, tell, he's, telling the, he's telling Titus to go to church and preach this message. Tell them to stop pilfering, which is stealing your neighbor's stuff out of his backyard. But show all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. That word adorn is uh, in the Greek language the same word we get the word cosmetics from. So he's saying the word means to arrange or to decorate or to put into order. That's what ladies are doing when they put on their cosmetics. They're arranging What's already pretty anyway. What's already gorgeous anyway. Just putting it in order. Hey Amen. Aren't you, aren't you glad for cosmetics? Not because we need them. You don't need it. Why did I go there? But what he's saying, he's saying, make the Lord look as good as you possibly can. That's what he's saying. Make people want more. Make them want more. Make them desire, leave them wanting more. Remember what Jesus said of himself? He said, I'm the river, or I'm the the well of salvation. I'm the water. I'm I'm the living water. And he sat down at a well with a Samaritan woman who was, I guess, in, a, in her own way, far from God. But he just communicated in a way with her that drew her in, that made her want more. And I wonder, you remember that scripture that says that Jesus, it says in John chapter 4 about that story, that he had to go through Samaria, that that day, instead of like all the other Jews would do, they would circumvent that little region. They would go all the way around it because the Samaritans despised the Jews and the Jews the Samaritans. But Jesus had to go through that day. And he sat down at that well and he encountered that broken and hurting but hungry soul 
And that day, her life was turned around. She went back into their whole community. The whole village was turned around. So much so that they didn't even want Jesus to ever leave them. A revival broke out in Samaria. Hallelujah. All because Jesus sat down and just made himself available to her. And she was thirsty for more. And I wonder how many Samaritan type well experiences do you and I encounter in a week? And we don't even realize it sometimes. Make Jesus look good. Amen? There is one final thought that I want to share with you guys about being the salt of the earth. As the salt of the earth, we must maintain our purity of devotion to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears, let him hear. Remember what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He said, if salt has lost its savor or its flavor, it's good for nothing. We're talking about the good life. But he's like, There's, it's, it, people will never encounter the goodness of God if we lose our saltiness. Amen. We must maintain that. Now, one of the things that I discovered that I don't think I ever knew before, because I'm slow like that, but technically, salt cannot lose its saltiness. One of the things that I discovered in my reading was that, that uh, they found you know, bags of salt or baskets of salt that had been buried with the pharaohs 4,000 years ago, and they tasted, it and it's salty. It's, it tastes salty. And that salt is a... Is a, it's a compound that doesn't break down. It's, it's stable, I guess. And so, technically speaking, it doesn't lose its flavor in that sense. But here's what Jesus is referring to, and here's what we would know ourselves. That if salt is mixed with other contaminants, or if it's diluted in water, it loses its effectiveness, its influence of what it would naturally do. I mean, you wouldn't want 50% sand and salt being sprinkled on your baked beans, right? You wouldn't want to do that. I mean, you would, you would throw it out. You don't want sand mixed in. Jesus is saying, essentially, if, there's a, if we break down in our pure devotion to the Lord, and we allow things to seep into our life and bring contamination and we become diluted in our devotion to the Lord, then we are absolutely no good to what God is doing in the earth today. Because God needs the salt of the earth to be the salt of the earth. To keep it together in our devotion to Him and our commitment to Him. James chapter 1, verses 26 and 7 say these words, If anyone among you thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, his religion is useless. Look at it. Jesus said, What good is salt that is contaminated and diluted? James says, 
if you don't bridle your tongue and keep guard over your own heart, your religion is useless. Pure. Everybody say pure. Pure and undivided religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That word to keep literally means to set a guard over yourself. Set a guard. Keep watch over yourself. As the salt of the earth, we must guard over our heart to maintain pure speech, to have salty, grace-filled words, you know, pure love for people, pure compassion for the hurting he said here orphans and widows it's not that those are the only things but those are some really important good things there are a lot of people out there that need to encounter the goodness of God think of a of a truly orphaned soul or a widowed person in that culture who couldn't care for themselves he said shake yourself out there Get out of the shaker and into the world. Be pure. Amen. Can we stand together? The good life, the good life is to be the good salt. It's not just about you, it's about a world around you that's in fast in decay. God wants us out there. Amen? Bringing his good life to them. So I'd like to have the prayer people come today, if you would. And as they come, they're making themselves available. I want to encourage you today, if you have anything heavy, heavy, heavy on your heart, if you're needing a physical healing, if you're not getting great reports from doctors, what does it hurt to have somebody pray with you? It wouldn't hurt. If you've come in here today and you're carrying a heavy burden and you just feel really weighed down, it wouldn't hurt to come up here and let somebody pray with you. Cast your care before the Lord because He cares for you. Kind of relieve the pressure and let them pray over you. Who knows? The Holy Spirit may give wisdom and understanding in the prayer. Whatever your needs are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you have going on, or if you want to give your heart to the Lord, Maybe you strayed away. Maybe you walked away. You want to come back to Jesus. These good folks up here would be willing to pray with you about that, whatever it is. So I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. And after I'm done, if you need prayer, please come this way. So, Father, we thank you for your presence today. And thank you for being with us in a very real way here today. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your power and your grace that is available in us, Lord, that you have made us to become the good salt of the earth. That's what we are. In fact, you never said become salt. You said you are the salt. And I pray that we would just be who we are. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be more aware of the need all around us, Lord. 
and that our very presence would have influence, not just impact, but influence to permeate, to get, to get into, Lord, those around us. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit because we can't do this in our own strength. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, pour out your Spirit afresh and anew in our hearts right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen.